Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Good morning to you. What's up? Yes, indeed. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. If you have that smart radio, it's great to have you along for the ride today. Good morning. Trying to get you up and moving for another weekend. Man, oh man, can you believe it? we are? Let's see. Today's Saturday. We have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is Election Day. Have you voted? Have you done your early voting? And are you ready to get out to the polls later on, Monday or Tuesday? Are you doing early voting or will it be on Election Day? That is the question. To vote or not to vote on Election Day? Got to put that preface in there because we want you to vote all the time anyways. But to vote or not to vote on Election Day? And boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. So we have a lot to get to. Last week was a bombshell of a program with a lot of candidates coming on the program, majoritively for the Wichita mayoral race, which has been extremely interesting. Obviously, nine candidates getting narrowed down to two in that race as we go into the general election for November. Today, we don't have any mayor's candidates on, but we do have some other big uh, candidates for some big races going on because remember it's not just about the mayor's race it's about city council it's about school board it's about a lot of these local seats that sometimes we just don't pay as much attention to and it's time for us to start focusing back down at the local level and have that say again at that local level as well bottom of the hour we have dalton glasscock candidate for wichita city council district number four we'll have him in studio here in just a little bit with us hour number two Big show, uh, big guest as well, Brent Davis, candidate for at-large school board, USD 259. And to wrap up the program, Gary Bond, candidate for Wichita City Council, District Number 5. So candidates galore on the program again today. And we want to hear from you, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK if you want to jump in here and let us know, have you voted? Do you plan to vote? And um, if you want to, I guess if you want to give who you voted for, you're more than welcome to do so as well. Don't have to do that, though. Sometimes people like to keep that relatively secret. But uh, now that we are just days away, according to the Cedric County Election Commission, we are seeing a little bit lower early voter turnout. Now, we're not expecting it to be like what we saw last year with the Value Them Both bill. We're not expecting it to be like some of the past couple of years. Although I would think that with nine candidates and some really heavy campaigning across the city and the county uh, for the mayor's race and some of the other big seats right now, that at least people are aware of the election going on. So then it's that conscious choice. Do you actually show up to do it or you just not waste your time in doing it? So uh, we'll cover all that throughout the program today. Also, we have some news coming out of Washington, D.C. and Topeka with some of our elected officials from right here in the great state of Kansas as well. So with all that... Happy Saturday morning to you. Good morning and welcome into it. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. But I want to shift right out of the uh, right out of the gate here and get into our first candidate of the program. Now, he doesn't have a primary coming up this next week in on August 1st, but he is getting geared up for the uh, November general election. So it's time to start dipping our toes into the general election of November of 2023 as well as we continue our message here on the program of getting to know the candidates. <laughs> It's time to get to know the candidate. 
And as we focus on some of that local politics, and especially with the school board, USD 259, happy to have on the program candidate for USD 259, uh, Mr. Jason Carmichael on the line. Jason, what's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing very well. Good morning. Hey, good morning. In, I'm, I'm the candidate for 259 District 4. We don't have a primary, so I'm just here to enjoy the show and discuss who I am. That's right. Just enjoy it, kicking back, enjoying it. First off, I know you don't have a primary uh, coming up next week, but just watching some of the other candidates, do you see the excitement? Do you see the, uh, the anticipation from uh, people around your community wanting to go and turn out for the voter uh, for the uh August primary, because right now we're hearing that voter turnout's been relatively low for early voting, but I'm hoping that we see a big turnout next week. Yeah, I, I went into the election office just the other day, and it showed under a 1,000 votes. But then I realized two things. One, it's just at the county office. And two, not everybody in the county actually has to vote mm. to go and vote for just because of the primary, and there's no... Uh, there's no primary for them to vote on, so they just get to wait till the general. Sure, that is that is very true. That is very true. Some of them don't have to worry about those primaries in their district. Jason, talk about uh, obviously, yeah, your background. For those that may not know you, I know that you know obviously um, you're very involved with the with the Republican Party here at the county level. We see you up at the state fair all the time, helping out with the Republican booth. You're you're really involved in doing a lot of stuff. But talk about your background and and finally throwing your hat in the ring for the school board candidacy. Absolutely, yes. I, I kind of grew up in Wichita and Oklahoma and Texas. Went to California a little bit and back to Texas and Oklahoma. And here I am back in Wichita again. I've lived in a lot of places all over. got a lot of different experiences. But I started out here in Wichita at McCormick Elementary. And I finished up after being in the Army. I was a Kiowa Warrior helicopter pilot. And when I was enlisted, I was an artillery forward observer. But uh, I finished up Wichita State with a bachelor's in finance and a master's in business administration. I've got a real estate business that I uh, manage and uh, uh, keep uh, residential rentals. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, so in other words, you get to bring a little bit of uh, some military order and structure onto the school board potentially, right? <laughs> Absolutely. One of the keystones of being a military officer is we get to learn the military decision-making process. Mm-hmm. First thing we got to do is identify the problem, and then we got to figure out what's the best solution and path going forward. And most importantly, after we make those decisions, we follow up and keep uh, at the uh, the process of making sure that what we decide on is followed through with. Yeah, that is a great point. Talk about some of the flaws and some of the issues that you're seeing right now with the school board. Obviously, I think a lot of attention was drawn during the COVID-19 pandemic with the social distancing, the forcing of mask wearing for children, the potential vaccinations of children that some agree with, some don't agree with. But I think at least those issues themselves brought some attention of, oh my gosh, how much influence and power as a parent do I actually have with the local school district and with the education of my child? Uh, but from your opinion, what uh, what are some of the issues that you're seeing and would like to try and change if you get on the school board? Well, well, number one, um, I want to get back to the most basics that we have is our, our basic rule and law and order. The Kansas state legislator has several laws in place that define what curriculum needs to be like uh, STEM, 
English, basic math, uh, even art, and most importantly, history and civics. Those are prescribed in law, and uh, I challenge anybody to ask any high school graduate anything about Kansas history, when we were founded, when we became a state, and, you know, most of them are, are just completely ignorant because they haven't been taught it. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that our education, that's, I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it, is to learn math yeah. and science and writing and reading and a little in some history and, you know, civics. And right now that mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be the focus point. It seems to be the social experiment. It seems to be, um, you know, social issues. It seems to be the feelings of the children. And we're not really focused on an actual curriculum right now. That's, that's very true. And, and the the school district just posted the uh, building needs assessment, also known as the school needs assessment what the principals need and, and what they have to deal with. And all of them are stating that we need more uh, guidance counselors, also known as mental health providers. And the budget shows that we have enough money to hire very qualified mental health and guidance counselors for every single school, not just a dozen or so, literally every school can have a very high-qualified, very well-paid guidance counselor slash mental health provider slash expert sure. in mental health. That's an interesting point. Um, uh, with anxiety, depression, certain issues going on right now in the schools, that is a vital role. At the same time, we are seeing a shortage of teachers as well. Uh, which I know the State Board of Education and the Department of Education at the statewide level is working on trying to bring more teachers in, trying to recruit more, trying to train more. But is that an issue that you foresee potentially down the road as well of not having enough teachers but just qualified teachers to even be in the classroom teaching children? That's a a huge issue pretty much all the schools are facing right now. Uh, Graduation rate actually is not what it should be. And... The building needs assessment was just released. It shows that USD 259's graduation rate has actually gone down more than 2%. We're we're basically three out of four students are graduating. It's not very good. So to to one of the solutions people always say is, well, you got to boost teacher salary. Well, if we do that, are we going to attract more higher qualified, better, higher motivated Coach, teach, mentors, teachers from the rest of the country, and will our current teachers be competitive against the new people that we're trying to recruit? Sure. I sure hope they will. That would be the idea. That would be the goal, absolutely, yeah. is actually having some good qualified candidates. We're talking with Jason Carmichael, candidate for USD 259 School Board, with his election coming up in November for the general election, not for the primary coming up. On Tuesday, let's talk about for a second. Let's go a little bit deeper on those graduation rates and college preparatory readiness coming out of high school. The numbers haven't changed a whole lot overall when it comes to an increase of actual graduation rates or even just uh, test scores or college readiness. With and we got to be honest, I mean, USD 259 being one of the bigger school districts across these states, has massive amounts of money, even though they complain about not having enough, that uh, they have millions of dollars in reserves. And we continue to ask for more, being more of a statewide issue for educational funding. 
But with that money, do you think that we're appropriating it properly? Do you think that we could do better to fine-tune the spending in the system? And how can we actually get these rates higher for graduation, for college readiness, and do it with the budget that we currently have instead of just asking for more money? Wow. it's uh, it's If you look at the budget, it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. that we have roughly 20% of the budget unspent. And it, it's just shocking. We have over $200 million that ended up in the unencumbered balance at the end of the fiscal year. That's uh, an impressive amount. I mean, that's more money than probably 95% of the rest of the state has for their entire annual budget. Yeah. And we've got it left unspent. So um, our, our graduation rate dropped 2.5% this year. Our college readiness score dropped almost uh, 0.4 on the ACT. Went from 169 to 165 Wow. You know, the minimum to any college university in the state is 21. You can get into Newman or, or Friends at 17 or 18. But uh, Wichita State, KU, Kansas State, they're, they're 21. Sure. They're not ready. They're not prepared. Uh, and the graduation rates, unfortunately, don't even reflect actual grades and just being ready to fill out job, basic job applications for any sort of job. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, we worry about why students don't actually stay here in the area when they graduate from high school. And it's because it seems like we don't have a whole lot of opportunity for them to be able to stay. And we need to open up some of those doors to uh, give them more of those opportunities. Jason, we got just about a minute left here or so before we have to wrap up. And I appreciate your time very much. But uh, it's, right now, I know it's early for you. You're getting ready for the November election. But uh, has the campaign really started to kick into high gear, starting to go and talk to people and starting to let people know about what's going on? Absolutely. It's it's starting to start to flow, and I'm starting to get my brand and signage all ready. I've already got uh, great-looking logos. Uh, I've got a few campaign contributions that are, are really humbling to see them coming in as they are. You know, the um, I, I've got a lot of people behind me. The, the opponents, big money that they're getting from the unions is uh, is going to be a daunting <laughs> task to overcome. But uh, with everybody's, we, we got people, they got money. I think people are going to win it. Yeah, well, and it comes down to that grassroots, which uh, we're also good about on uh, the more Republican side of things. And you're right, those teachers unions, man, the unions are the biggest opponent we have to worry about. And hopefully when you get in there, you can rattle that cage and shake things up just a little bit, my friend. It's Jason Carmichael, candidate for Wichita School Board, USD 259, District Number 4, going into the general election in November. Jason, good to talk to you, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail. Let's get you back on as the election gets closer for November. Thank you very much. Hey, appreciate it, my friend. There we go. All right, we got a lot to get to today. So many more candidates that will be coming through the program for the final day before Election Day. We'll do that here in a little bit. Dalton Glasscock coming up in studio here in just a few minutes as well. Plus, we have some phone calls. We'll get to you when we come back as we kick off a Saturday morning here on Candace Talk, which does Big Talker KQAM. Stay right here.
25 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. Big show. Final program before Election Day, baby. Coming up on Tuesday. I know early voting, a little bit lighter, according to the Cedric County Election Commissioner. But, again, some people may not have primaries in their district or their area. So, that may deter some from turning out. Get ready for the big November election. Thanks again to Jason Carmichael coming on last segment. Dalton Glasscock, the man himself, coming in next segment here in just a few minutes for City Council, District Number 4, as we continue on with our election coverage on the program. But with the few minutes we have here, let's jump right into phone calls. The lines are lit up this morning. Man, everybody's up and bright and early this morning, ready to go. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm just fine. Um, I've already voted. Good. Okay. And uh, I voted for... I'm not afraid to say it because I really support them. I voted for Lily Wu, okay? Although Brian Fry is excellent. I voted for Lily Wu, and I voted for Dalton Glasscock because he's in my district, and I do. But when you see him, you tell him that, you damn it, he'd better win because I'm really counting on him. <laughs> well, he is and, in uh, here listening right now, ready to ready to jump on here in a minute. So he's uh, uh, he appreciates that very much. Good. But um, talking about the number of people voting, okay, I, what I do every year, I mean, voting, I went down to the courthouse about 10 o'clock, and they were voting there at the old courthouse. I walked in there, not a soul was voting, Andy, and I walked in there, and what I did, I, I picked up a sample of the, of, the, of the ballot for my district, because I always do that. And, and then my wife and I... Um, we voted at our little neighborhood place uh, and walked in there, and there wasn't a soul in there. So mm. I think the turnout is going to be very, very low. But uh, um, well, that know, just reinforces that every just, vote's going to count. Every vote's going to count. And my here's my here's my prediction. It's interesting with your with your mayor's vote. I have uh, two different opinions on who's going to go into the general election. Where I think that I think Brian Fry is going to do very well. Obviously, he's you know been on the show for years here. He uh, he's he's got the name recognition. People know who he is. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, we love him. So I think that he will get in regardless into the general election for November. The question is who's going to be that second candidate? Where either it's going to be the incumbent with. Brandon Whipple, although I'd hope not, and I hope that he goes out the first round, uh, or it will be the uh, surprise. I think, uh, like I've said, the um, the uh, the one that's kind of shaken up the election with this, and with Lily Wu, like you said, going into the general, and it could be a squaring off of a more conservative and Democrat, or whether it's two conservatives or conservative libertarian, whatever she tries to, whatever she claims to be. So it'll be very interesting uh, who's going into the general for November, but I do see Brian Frey going through, and uh, it, it is interesting. It is interesting on who people are casting their votes for. You know, if, if Brian Fry goes through, that that would be wonderful. But honestly, I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and uh, finally it ended up with Lily, although like I've always said, Brian Fried. But bless that guy's hard. I mean, if he gets in there, damn right, I'm going to vote for him. Sure. And absolutely. Dalton, yes. Now, there are only three um, uh, three places to vote on our, okay, for the mayor mm -hmm. and for uh, the city council and for the school board at large. And the school board at large, um, since I already had a, Appreciate the 
uh, who was going to be on the ballot, I looked them all up, and I did vote for one of them. So, Very good. Well, uh, Brent Davis will be coming in in hour number two at the top of the hour, and he is uh, he's a very conservative, great individual, and he would be an excellent choice as well. Uh, not saying anything against the other candidates by any means, but uh, he'll be in in hour number two, so you'll get, be able to hear him and his stance on issues as well. Frederick, i got to take a break here, brother. Appreciate it very much. we got some other calls. We'll sneak you in here a little bit later as well, so don't hang up. We'll get to you guys in just a bit. Right around the corner, though, Dalton Glasscock, candidate for City Council, District Number 4. We'll talk about the campaign trail going into the final couple days here before the August 1st primary election day. Good Saturday morning to you. Let's kick off another hot, ridiculously hot weekend here in the Wichita area right here on Wichita's Big Talk. Okay, QAM, stay here. number one conservative talk radio host this is kansas talk with andy hoosier yes indeed it is welcome back into the program it's a saturday it's a saturday morning trying to get you up and going thank god it's not 100 degrees as of yet so yesterday those that were following the drama yesterday here at the studios it was 105 and our air conditioner here at the studios died all day. I got here at 7 a.m. and it was already 89 degrees here in the studios and it just got warmer as the day went on. By 5, as I was leaving, it was finally getting fixed. So today I was prepared just in case, but uh, we're back to normal and I feel nice and cozy in here. So we'll enjoy that as much as we possibly can. Welcome back into the program. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Also our friends out in Garden City, Kansas, KIUL, 1240 on the AM dial, hanging out with us today as well. Let's continue on with our get-to-know-the-candidates here for numerous different races. And Garden City, don't worry, I have not forgotten about you. We'll be getting your candidates on here soon as well. But uh, bring it back down to the Wichita area. It's time to get to know the candidate. As we continue to move forward here and from District Number 4, Wichita City Council candidate, Mr. Dalton Glasscock. Dalton, what's going on, man? Hey, good to see you. I'm glad the interview's today because if it was supposed to be yesterday, I would have been calling in. I would not have been here in person with a broken yeah. AC. Yeah, well, yeah, that was that was a brutal one. That was brutal. Granted, I am outdoor knocking in about 106 degree weather, so it probably would have been an improvement of being on the streets. That's the thing. All you guys, everybody that's been out campaigning for the last few weeks, I give you massive props because to be walking out there in that 100 plus degree temperatures is brutal so you guys are dedicated oh you get used to it at some point yesterday when it was like 99 at 7 p.m i was like this is so <laughs> delightful and i sat on my front porch 99 degrees this oh yeah feels so good yeah, yeah it's only gonna get worse yeah how has the campaign been going how's the door knocking it's going well i've knocked on the doors of about 3600 voters right now and wow. so i actually hit the ent- i'm hitting my last neighborhood today of the district so i have about 30 houses left and uh, the reception's been great. Um, everybody has the same concerns, public safety and infrastructure, especially when I'm talking to people on the south side. Those are the two top things I hear door to door. I also want to give a shout out to Frederick, uh, yes. your caller last time. Frederick, thank you for your vote. If you're listening, I appreciate it. And uh, make sure to tell your friends as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, right out of the gate there. They're excited. So infrastructure and spending, thats those are interesting topics for them to be focused on right now for the city. Well, I think you drive down you know, Maple, you drive down Mays Road and you see crumbling infrastructure um, in southwest Wichita. And when you think of public safety, you're short 140 police officers. If you include those eligible for retirement, you know, you call the cops and it's not a you know life threatening emergency. They may not show up for hours, if sure. not until the next day. 
And, you know, the basic functions of local government are public safety and infrastructure, and we're failing at both of them. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. We have a local government. Why we're paying tax money to our local government agencies. Yeah, people just want government to get back to the basics, and those are the two most basic functions of local government. What direction do you think we've gone over the last few years, not just with the city council, but with the mayor right now, with the city council as a whole, the direction you think that we've started to go down, and like you say, getting back to the basics, trying to clean things up a little bit, what have they just kind of lagged on or forgotten about, do you think? Well, we haven't built a new fire station in this city since 2008 or 2009. Um, and so you're looking back at that. I was a freshman in high school uh, during that period. Sure. Meanwhile, you've seen massive expansion um, kind of at our extremities of the city and uh, in our most densely populated, which we are sitting in right now um, here at uh, Pawnee and uh, Mays Road, has no fire station west of the airport. And um, it's one of the most uh, high dense areas of the district. And so I think when we're talking about these things, the city hasn't focused on those functions very well. Yeah. The response time, we've talked a little bit about that because of the shortage of law enforcement with the law, with the response time because of the lack of stations for fire. Uh, but even and I know this is kind of a county issue as well with some of the mental health services, the mental health experts uh, starting to go out on calls right now. Are we getting better or at least, like you said, being aware of, oh, hey, maybe we need to beef this up a little bit to try and have a quicker response time when we do get a 911 call? Yeah. I mean, I think the conversation's going on in the city, but what are we going to do to fix it? Yeah. Um, these are budgeted officers already, so these are positions we can't fill. I think we have to look at gap coverage for officers um, heading towards retirement. I think we need to look at college reimbursement options for officers and also increase the entry level uh, for officers as well. And so we just want action. I think Wichita is tired of just talking about problems. We want actually something done. Um, we're very good at task force. We're very good at committees. Uh, but when it comes to action, we need to... Uh, yeah. Step it up a little bit. Maybe a bit more connection or uh, or working with maybe the uh, the schools, the public schools and trade schools or the community colleges or something around here as well. Well, I think we have big good partners with all of our institutions in this community and also our, all of our government partners. The count, the city and the county should be able to work very efficiently together. We should be able to work with our state partners and also leverage our relationships with Wichita State, Wichita Technical College and our community colleges even outside of the Wichita area as well. Sure. Uh, you were on the county commission for a short time as well. Just 40 uh, days. 40 days, yeah. So you got to see at least a little bit of a taste of what went on at the county level. Is uh, that kind of the mindset now that you have a little bit of that experience, quote unquote, is that what's going to be able to get you into, do you think, the city council as well? That's where I refined my passion for local government. Um, I was part of the mayor's youth council uh, when I was 14. So I've always cared about local government. But my time at the county commission showed me that local government is what matters most. Mm. Um, during those 40 days, I tore, I had 80 different constituent meetings. I toured every county department. And, uh, you know, only in Cedric County could you go from the sheriff's office to the morgue to a meeting with finance and then the zoo. <laughs> and I think it shows the breadth of local government. Yeah. And you can't be a subject expert on everything, but you have to be willing to ask the tough questions and uh, hold staff accountable. And yeah. that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. When you knock on doors and you talk to people and they talk about the infrastructure, public safety, some of the priorities, are you noticing do you think that people are more engaged of local politics than what they were maybe in the past years, largely maybe because of COVID and realizing how much influence that local government has or other issues? But do you find them being more engaged and understanding more local issues than before? I do. And maybe it's because I'm a candidate for the first time door knocking. <laughs> and so people are willing to engage in conversations more so than I was a volunteer. But I'm standing at people's door, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, talk about things. When it hits 15 minutes, I tell them I'll come back after eight o'clock and then we have a conversation later on. There you um, go. But I think people are more engaged and they're wanting to talk about these things and they're knowledgeable since COVID. Yeah. Uh, is one of the big questions you still get is, are you Republican? 
Republican or Democrat? Oh, it's the number one question. Uh, aside from public safety infrastructure, the number one question is, are you a Republican? I am a Republican. I'm a yeah. proud Republican. I was Central County Republican Party chair from 2018 to 2020. I'm very glad that Andy was on our team uh, when I had the chance to serve. Um, did military and veteran affairs for the United States House of Representatives under Congressman Estes. And, you know, I think these issues are non-political when you're talking about public safety, infrastructure, water supply, but they become political recently. Sure. And people want to know your worldview when you're running for office. And yeah. so I'm very uh, I sent out the first mailer saying that I'm a Republican um, because people want to know. And that's the questions they're asking at the door. It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about budget issues for a second. You know me, I'm kind of a dork. I like to talk about budgetary things, but tax rates, property taxes, sales tax here in the city area. And with the focus on something like infrastructure, on public safety, obviously that costs money. Do we have the money to do that right now, or do you potentially see tax increases down the road in the future for the city? Right now, the city is facing a $12 million surplus. Uh, we are facing a deficit in the coming years, and I think the city has to begin making decisions now. So when we you know, face you know, $11 million deficit in 2026, I believe it is now, um, we need to be prepared to be able to answer that. And the only way we're prepared is by cutting spending now. I think you can look at, you know, people in District 4 and people across Wichita have to make tough decisions with their money. And I'm a pickleball player. I love pickleball. Uh, but when we are considering whether or not we want a new fire station versus a pickleplex in <laughs> South Wichita, I'm going to choose a fire station. And so I think those are the difficult decisions that the city's going to have to make yeah. um, that, you know, our citizens have to do every single day because of inflation. And the city is facing these challenges because of inflation. Yeah. And hopefully if we can, you know, have a change at the federal level, then a lot of those issues might be able to resolve themselves here at the city and then we might actually face another surplus. Sure. But we can't plan on that. We need to make sure that we're making cuts and prepared for when we are going to have to um, look at difficult decisions. Yeah. What type of cuts do you think that we could, uh, obviously, other than an $8 million pickleball court, mm -hmm. do you think are complex there? But what other places could we kind of reprioritize money to get into what needs to be done? I think you have to look at consolidation of city services, particularly between Wichita and Cedric County. And so, you know, one example that I have is when you go to Pawnee Prairie Park, no person knows whether that's Wichita or Cedric County managing it. When you go to Cedric County Park, the only reason you know Cedric County manages it is because of the name. And so when we're thinking of those issues, combining our um, city parks and recreation facilities, I think makes sense um, because people don't care uh, where uh, who manages their assets when they're going to enjoy a day with their family. But right. we can cut bureaucratic costs uh, during that. And so I think we need to think of ways to consolidate with the county. And I'm glad to have a good relationship with the county that yeah. we can have those conversations and see how we can save taxpayer money. Is that is that relationship still pretty strong? I know it's been rocky for a while. It gets a little bit better. But between the county and the city working together to make things happen, do you think that is a good relationship right now? I think it's strained in some ways. Um, but I am uh, a good friend and um, have a good working relationship with everybody at the county and including a lot of the county staff because of my time there. Sure. And I'm going to make sure that we maintain a good work working relationship with the county. Good. Uh, let's talk about one of the major issues. Here's one of the bigger ones that my callers love to talk about, and it's a big concern for them, is the food deserts in the city. Uh, we have a lot of places where, and we've said it before, it breaks my heart even thinking about the only way for you for someone to be able to eat is to go to a gas station and get a hot dog off the roller and a bag of chips. Not nutritional at all. It's very sad, but there are reasons why grocery stores do not build in certain areas of town. What do you think we can do to resolve this? Yeah, I think there's a multifaceted approach. I personally live in a food desert myself. Um, I live over uh, near Seneca and Maple, and that's considered one. And so the nearest, uh, what would be considered food source would be Brahms, uh, which is not where wow. people should be getting their daily uh, produce at all the time. <laughs> right. Not not in Tacom Brahms, but not all the time. And so um, when we're looking at those challenges, I think we have to partner with our federal um, government partners and look at grants with the Department of Agriculture because a lot of these places, it isn't feasible for a business to come in, but maybe through a federal grant, we can bring that money back to Wichita and be able to help. 
Um, I also think the city uh, can, through our city library programs and city services, teach people to uh, grow produce at their own home and equip them with produce right in their backyard that they may not have to go uh, to a shop. And I think there's other ways that we can look at things, um, whether that's including, you know, healthy fridges, maybe in quick shops or other facilities as well, Mm -hmm. where people can have better options, but not have a, you know, full scale grocery store that's just not viable in some areas. The new idea, I haven't heard of that one, is trying to have some clean refrigerators, healthy refrigerators and gas stations, grocery stores, that area. Um, That's interesting. Uh, The weird part is right now when it comes to like growing produce in your backyard, the city was struggling trying to change some of the regulations to allow people to actually sell produce from being grown in their backyard. And whether it's more farmers markets, whether it's just deregulating that industry, I don't know what it was, but they were having a tough time just allowing people to grow lettuce in their backyard and and be able to sell it to their neighbors. We need to deregulate a lot of things in Wichita. (laughs) Uh, One particular example, it's not related to the food desert, but just you know, blew my mind the other day is there was a business that had to rezone a billboard on their own property because the city does not allow you to advertise your own business on your own property if you have a billboard, which is flabbergasting is that on their own property, they can't advertise their business. And so they had to go and ask permission for the city in three different levels of government to be able to advertise their own business. And so the city needs to figure out ways that we're hampering business as a small business owner. We need to make sure that we're making this city viable for small businesses and not making it difficult to do business here. Because I trust that our private sector can solve a lot of these things on themselves if we give them the options and the tools to be able to do so. You sound like one of those Republicans. Who would have yeah, thought? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought? To deregulate and let the private sector handle issues. We don't hear about that very often. Uh, you mentioned entertainment. Obviously, we just built a massive baseball stadium downtown. Uh, you had mentioned some of the library, some of the other public resources for people. But entertainment, is that another issue that we need to focus on? Not necessarily an $8 million pickleball complex, but other types of entertainment to bring more tourism and to entice more people to come here. Obviously, the diversity of the workforce is getting better, which we can talk about in a second as well. But to entertain people, baseball, concerts, music, venues, you know, local bars and microbrews. I mean, is that what attracts people to Wichita, do you think? The city needs to maintain our current amenities first and make sure that we're not avoiding deferred maintenance costs. And if Mm -hmm. we maintain our current facilities, I think we can look at other options in the future. But I consider myself Wichita's best ambassador. Uh, When people come here, you can always find me at a brewery, a coffee shop, any city or community event. And so we have plenty of options for people, but half the time people don't even know of these events happening across our community. I also trust our private sector. If we provide a safe environment where citizens feel that they have strong police and they have a strong fire presence, when they feel like they have roads they can drive on, then I believe that the private sector is going to solve a lot of these things themselves and bring in industry and bring in culture um, that will help Wichita thrive. That's amazing. I saw a study just a couple weeks ago saying that Wichita was one of the number one cities in the entire nation for people to move here to do remote work and remote uh, careers by just sitting at home because of how reliable our resources are here, that they love to come here and just work from home. Is that, do you think, the future of Wichita, people just working from home? I mean, I think there's a component of that. We're always going to have a manufacturing hub in Wichita. But, you know, I see my friends moving outside this community. And one of the reasons I'm running is I'm tired of my friends moving outside of this community because they'll move Mm. out and they'll always come back. And so, and they come back because we have affordable living because it's usually a safe place because we have a lot of great amenities and so we need to bring a culture that people don't feel like they have to leave ever they can stay here and that we can continue to recruit talent because if a city is not growing it's dying yeah. and we need to continue to grow and expand as a city as well sure i love it we got just a couple minutes left here dalton but to last uh, for the last couple minutes uh other focuses other priorities that you'd like to see if you get on the city council 
I think it all comes back to getting government back to the basics. And, you know, I'm always available to talk to people. Again, I've talked to 3,600 voters across this district. And uh, I'm going to bring a lot, I think, a fresh perspective to City Hall, but be able to understand how the process works and how to navigate that. And I'm excited for the opportunity to potentially serve and uh, look forward to anybody offering me any suggestions. And I'll make sure to take your voice to City Hall as well. I tell you what, you're a busy guy. First off, you know how to campaign because you understand those grassroots and how uh, you know what you guys do. So kudos to that. But you're a busy guy all over the place. I've been hearing you on uh, Todd Starnes as well. Obviously, yeah. Aaron here on KQAM. So uh, you've been all over the place, man. Thanks That's for hearing, stuff. Todd. Uh, we appreciate it from Starnes Media Group. And uh, we're glad to be a good partner with KQAM. Yeah, absolutely. Dalton, good luck on the campaign trail, my friend. Uh, the election down to the last three days. You can finally take a breath, right? Uh, I'm Almost. going back and door knocking. But if you have any questions, visit daltonglasscock.com. Daltonglasscock.com. There it is. Well, when you get through the primary, we'll get you back on for the general election. Looking forward to it. Here we go. All right, we'll take a break here. Get ready to wrap up hour number one. Another candidate in the books here on Candace Talk as we get ready for the August 1st primary coming up in just a couple of days. We'll do some more of that right around the corner. Your phone calls as well. We have some calls on the line. We'll get to you in just a minute here on Candace Talk on KQAM. into the program moving through a saturday morning here on candace talk wichita's big talker kqam 316-721-8255 thanks again to dalton glasscock coming on the program man i tell you what he is a hustler and he is ready to rock and roll for this august 1st election and good luck to him hopefully we'll see him move through to the next round got a couple minutes as we wrap up our number one let's go back to the phones here shall we line at number two good morning who's this Scott. What's going on, Scott? How are we doing? Hey, uh, Scott, I got to ask you, have you been happy? I know when you call in, you talk a lot about the food deserts. Are you are you satisfied? Are you happy with the way some of the candidates are talking about that issue? Well, yeah, yes and no, because they said a little something about it, but they kind of contradicted themselves because they're saying, okay, uh, we would put it there, but we got to worry about people shoplifting. However, they're talking about more police. Well, I mean, if you put police in the grocery store, then you shouldn't have much of a problem. I mean, there's not very many people just going to run over the police trying to steal a, a loaf of bread. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's been a challenge. It's, it's difficult because when there's security at a grocery store, it's not police that's, on, that's, a, that's part of the public police department, but it's actually private security that the grocery store has to hire themselves, and sometimes they don't have... Well, I've seen both. I've seen regular police at grocery stores, and I've seen private security. But in either case, they ought to be able to stop somebody stealing a loaf of bread if that's what they're doing. Sure. Uh, like I said, if you can, if you spend $6 million on a grocery store, you'll be able to uh, secure it just like you can secure a pickleball court <laughs> for $6 million. You should be able to Come on, that's so that's the saving yeah, grace right for Wichita now. was our eight million dollar pickleball complex. Oh, it's eight million. I, I thought it was six. Uh, it was originally four, and then they realized that if they double the size of it, then it would actually be not just a pickleball a couple of courts, but an actual complex to where they could actually host a pickleball na- nationwide tournament with the size of the complex. So they doubled it from four million up to eight million. Well, well, this is what I'm saying here uh, is that right now the incumbent. Mayor and city council 
did nothing as far as police uh, racism. They had Klan uh, members in the police force. We can't have that here. And and then let people say, okay, well, we got a problem with the police. Well, you know, we don't want any more police like that. And then second, as far as like what you were talking about with that pickleball thing, anybody who thinks that pickleball court's a good idea, transport their grocery store in their area to the northeast side of town, and then they can have the pickleball port or court or whatever they call it, and then they can have that, and then we can have the grocery store. And, that, and I think everybody will be happy. Interesting. That's a, that's an interesting theory. I uh, I mean, uh, we do need to focus on the priorities right now and recruitment for law enforcement, like you said, trying to focus on some of the food deserts and trying to get some more food in the hands of individuals to give them a healthier option lifestyle, I think is definitely a bonus there. Scott, I appreciate it very much, my friend. I uh, uh, It's very interesting. Hopefully we'll see you out and get you to vote. Uh, have you voted yet already, Scott? No, but I but I will be voting. And like I say, this is a breadbasket of America. At least they claimed it was. But it shouldn't be any excuse why you can't get something to eat. It's a great point. Yeah. And you, and you should be able to grow your own food. And if your neighbor needs to buy something from you, so be it. I am all about that self-dependence and being able to start your garden in your backyard, grow your own food, and be able to give it out to your uh, neighbors and friends in your community, Scott. So I'm right there with you on that one. We do need to promote that, and I love Dalton's response on that, is being able to uh, use the public libraries to teach people, have classes, have the universities, the uh, local schools being able to do programs to teach people how to do that in their backyard is a great idea, great opportunity, and let's get people a little bit more self-dependent and less reliant on the government, either local or federal, to take care of them, especially when it comes to food issues, because you can tell they don't have the highest quality of standards. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit, get back to the school board candidates and city council. Bottom of the hour, Gary Bond at next hour as well. Brent Davis, right around the corner. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 FM on HD4. If you have that smart radio, you can check us out on the uh, high definition, high quality. I don't know if you want to hear this voice on high quality, though. It might be a little scary for you. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We'd love to hear from you. We have a lot to get to this hour, as we did last hour. Jason Carmichael, candidate for District Number 4, is at school board, getting ready for the general election in November. We had him in hour number 1, plus Dalton Glasscock, candidate for District Number 4, Wichita City Council. This hour going to be a big one as well. Gary Bond... Bond, Gary Bond. He'll be joining us, District Number 5, for the City Council at the bottom of the hour. But as we continue on here through our Getting to Know the Candidates, it's time to get to know the candidate. We continue on with our conversation. Is in studio with us now to talk back at the school board level for the at-large candidate going into the August 1st primary, Mr. Brent Davis. Brent, how are you, sir? Doing great, Andy. It's Glad good to have be you here. back on here. Yeah, it's been Thank a little bit you. since we've chatted with you from the uh, from the last election. How is the, I mean, we're just days away from the primary here. How's it feel going into the final ones here? Well, it feels good. We got people out on the ground uh, putting out uh, door hairs as we speak. You know, I'll be right back out there uh, knocking doors. You know, we've got big plans to get as many more uh 
pieces onto doors and talk to as many more people as we can before the election. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm sure everybody's got their own questions. Everybody's got their own concerns when you talk to people uh, between mayors, candidates, city council, school board. But when you're out talking to people about trying to be involved with the kids on the school board, is that a popular topic for uh, people to be talking about? Is it something that they're interested in or are they just like, eh? I would think that they'd be interested in their kids' education. Well, people uh, don't understand the importance of education in our community. We yeah. have 50,000 kids in the Wichita Public Schools. And right now, for over a decade, their their achievement has been declining. So yeah. now we're down to 86% remedial in math wow. and 82% remedial in English, according to the Kansas State Department of Education. So, so that's pretty that's pretty horrible. And that means lower lifetime earnings for those kids. Yeah. And and lower lifetime earnings for those kids means a depressed Wichita economy. Yeah. The the top thing that people look for when they want to come to a, a, a bring their family, you know, bright young people that are raising families want to come to a new community. They look at the schools sure. and if the schools are not vibrant, then they don't want to come. So it, we need to make our schools vibrant. So that's job number one. And, and people are understanding that they're going, oh, yeah, I don't have kids in school, but I think I will vote for school board this time. Yeah. What's weird to me is how we can have such low rates of quality education when the Wichita School District, especially USD 259, one of the biggest ones in the state, gets massive amounts of money. And all we've heard for years was that, well, it'll all fix if we need, if we just get more money. We just need more money. And then all of a sudden the problem will go away. That hasn't been the case, has it? No. You know, you know, you do need money to uh, to run a school system well. But... Uh, what I found when I did my uh, master's project in educational funding and student achievement in Kansas public schools, and I and I looked at the results of the Montoy decision, mm-hmm. uh, I the one of the biggest takeaways is that it's not how much money, it's how you spend the money. Mm. And we have tremendous talent in USD 259, but it's not being utilized correctly right now. So we need to put students in front of excellent teachers for longer periods of time, yeah. and and uh, we need to. Uh, move out the student, the teachers that are not doing a good job and re, yeah. re, uh, repurpose them or something. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Do you see almost a consolidation of schools right now? We're seeing rural school districts all over the nation or all over the state of Kansas especially um, that are going to four-day school weeks, that are just closing down in general because they don't have enough money. Are you seeing kids from coming out of the district starting to come into USD 259 right now? Uh, and is that beneficial to them, do you think? Uh, well, I hadn't heard about the the four day weeks. Yeah. You know, it seems like uh, my, our school district, my little one, uh, she's they're about ready to go to a four day school week this year, and I, I'm very I'm concerned about it because it's like oh, we're we're extending their work their school day, but yet we're losing a day for them to retain all the information. Yeah, we certainly shouldn't do that. I, I think <laughs> I think we can definitely find ways not to reduce the school to four days a week. We need the, yeah. definitely five days a week, and we need uh, students involved in more and more activities. So yeah. what I found from one of my advisors, uh, who was a principal at uh, one of the high schools near here, he, he helped raise the student achievement in that school from uh, 21 ACT to 24 ACT in three years. Wow. And one of the ways he did that was by getting kids more involved in school activities. So you, the more involved they are, the better they did in, in their school. And that's, that's what we need to do here. That makes sense. That makes sense. Let's talk about curriculum right now. It seems like, uh, and we talked about this with Jason in hour number one, but it seems like right now the main topic, obviously in the media, which you can take that with a grain of salt, but the main topic of conversation when it comes to education has not been the curriculum the quality, the math and science and English and writing and, and reading. It's not of that. It's about the 
social issues. It's about the use of bathrooms. It's about the identification of students. Is that what we need to have as a focus and priority right now from the school board and from the school district? Or how do we get back to the basics and actually learn about educational things? I know it's a wild thought, but how do we get back to actually reading, writing, math, and science? Well, that's that's a great question, and I, I think it's by setting the policy that kids, in, unless they're up to grade level or above, they shouldn't be doing electives. They, what they should be doing is focusing on those basics, and and we should start all the way th- all the way through that every grade level because we need to get every grade level up to uh, up to grade level or above in in reading, writing. And doing math and history and science. Okay, we need to get them all up to. And so th- that means the other things are on that on the elective time. We don't necessarily get rid of those teachers, you know, but we focus and maybe even use some of those teachers in helping kids do reading and that sort of thing, where everybody gets involved and they do extra hours in the reading and math until they get those up to speed. Yeah, uh, you you and I were talking a little bit off the air before we came on here about some of the other issues that we don't see in the schools, or at least not as much as what we'd like to see. But one of those is financial literacy. And as I said, again, I, I wish we would have had financial literacy when I was going to school. I wish I would have learned more about how um, bank accounts work, how the money works, and how, no, you can't just take out $50,000 of student loan debt and expect it to just go away as soon as you come out because I'll be making two hundred grand as soon as I come out. Like, that's not a reason, but that was the mindset going is everybody does it. Obviously, it's working out well. I guess we just have to go down that road. Is that a focus? Do you think that we need to start implementing more of as a focus on financial literacy? Absolutely. I, I'd like to see actually Dave Ramsey financial literacy uh, implemented in all the grade levels that they have. They have a children's program and it needs to be recurrent every year. And we need to get all the students involved and so that they can be thinking about their futures, how to prepare. When you start getting them to think about, well, how do I practically prepare myself to live in this world? How do I get ready for a family? How do I how do I get ready for retirement in the future? And you start yeah. getting to think on the long and the long game instead of just their current feelings, yeah. right? Then they'll do well. In fact, when kids are achieving well, when they have a plan for their future, they feel better about themselves. Yeah, they feel more confident. They know exactly what they're going into, which is really nice. Uh, I didn't know about the ch- kids program with Dave Ramsey. I would like to see it as just a uh, curriculum or as a, uh, a mandatory class to take in high school before you even graduate as mm-hmm. one of your uh, college prep courses, is just a financial literacy class, the basics. Uh, as a previous banker, before I got back into radio, the stories I had of people walking in thinking because they had checks in their checkbook still, even though there's no money in the account, because they had checks, why are my checks bouncing? What's going on here? Or we're out of money in my account. Amazing. How, how do I just put more money in there? And like they had no clue. And those stories, they're real. For those that are listening, like, come on, Andy. No, they're real. <laughs> as a teller and as a banker, I've experienced those. And you could ask any banker and they could tell you some of those stories. It's wild. Yeah. It just needs to be recurrent. And we need to also have, uh, you know, encourage people to think about, you know, what they're going to do for a living, you know, what kind of, and uh, and people need to be graduating with certifications to do things, uh, yeah. not just not just having uh, a diploma, but having a certification to go out and be an electrician, to be a plumber, to be a welder, to be something where they can have a trade. And even if they decide to go into college, they can do this on the side and then and pay their way through college. Yeah. I mean, uh, my mother, you know, learned how to type well, so she became a secretary and uh, she was able to pay her way through college by working one year at Boeing as an executive secretary. And then next year she would go to college. Sure.
Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. We're talking with the Brent Davis candidate for uh, USD 259 at-large school board candidate. Uh, you just mentioned a little bit of higher education. Do we do a good job, do you think, or do you think we could do more in partnering with community colleges, trade schools, universities around the area to have a launching pad to go from the high school to the higher education in a smooth transition or to even start taking some of the college classes while you're in high school before you move to the higher education? Do we do a good job or could we do better? Well, I think we could definitely do better. Uh, the great thing is our new superintendent, that was his job. His job was college readiness and and mm-hmm. relationships with these groups. And so I think we're going to see that uh, improve a lot. Yeah, that would be really nice. Uh, also, school safety has been another issue. We've had um, different incidences, students bringing a gun or bringing a knife. I know that, was it North, which Sean North that brought in some of the detectors uh, for the school, which sounds like have been relatively nice. But uh, unfortunately, this is now the reality of something else we have to focus on in the school district. What else can we do to keep the kids safe and make sure this is not a problem anymore? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, um, I mean, do we do we do we put more of those security? Um, what is it? They're not metal detectors, but they're gun surveillance detectors or whatever the hell they're calling them. I mean, is that what we, is that the focus? Is it more uh, resource officers in the schools? I think that it, when we focus on putting more kids in front of good teachers and they're, ex- and they're excelling, they're feeling like they're accomplishing things. I think we're going to see less problem with this. And yeah. I also feel like we need to improve our communication with parents, you know, so uh, mm. we're helping the, the kids in need. We, we have some programs like this. And uh, so I want to see how they're doing and, and repurpose them. So I don't have like all the answers to all these questions. You can't be you know, an expert on every area. My expert yeah. is improving it. My expertise is in improving achievement. And I think we'll solve a lot of problems when kids feel engaged and they feel successful and they feel like they're really learning yeah. and the teachers are meeting their needs. Yeah. And that was my next question for you. And I'm glad you brought that up is how involved is or how important is it for the parent involvement in education? Because we have heard a lot of parents that just think you're off to school, you do the school thing, and schools take care of my kid and just educate them so I can just, you know, wipe my hands clean from it. But that's not the case here. We need the parent involvement in the in the kid's education for them to be able to excel, don't we? We do. You know, people need to realize that the kids that succeed are not the ones that just uh, – do things at school. They're yeah. the ones that that do things at home. So, so for instance, my son was successful in basketball because I got him private, uh, you know, basketball tutoring. You know, so uh, so that he could learn how to, you know, you know, do all kinds of extra moves and things like that, and and build his skills and build and build all these things that he needed. And um, the, the same in every other area. You know, he got his, uh, you know, black or his brown belt in karate, you know, way earlier because we worked every night you know, on that at home. And so you can't just think that you can just be satisfied with what's happening at school. You got to work at home and do. Yeah. And so and parent involvement in that is key. You know, so my mother read to me every night before I went to bed all my during my growing up years. And so then I was able to get a 36 on my ACT English, you know, when I when I graduated from high school, you know, because. And it was a lot of it was her work, you know, her yeah. pouring herself into me. That's a great point. Last couple of things before we let you go here. Uh, it's Brent Davis, candidate for USD 259 at large school board. Uh, but you t- you mentioned a little bit of it. The uh, when it comes to curriculum, but the student involvement, just getting involved with the classes as well, getting involved with the school itself. Is there an opportunity to bring back some of the extracurricular activities by shop class, home ec class, auto class, you know, something like that with hands-on experience it gives them some more life experience and uh, life uh, real world experience as well 
Absolutely. I think all those things are very important. We need a lot of domestic skill uh, training. We need, you know, a lot of uh, workplace type skill training available to students and because they're all different kinds of students. And uh, but people need to, to graduate from high school, feel like feeling like they're ready to tackle life yeah. and, and ready to support themselves and take care of themselves. And and, you know, the schools that are doing what I want to do and putting kids in front of good teachers and moving out bad teachers uh, they have all these extra things that they're doing. It doesn't, it doesn't take away from that. It accentuates that because when kids are learning better and more quickly and have better knowledge and, and they're being moved ahead with their teachers, yeah. they're able to get more done in less time. They're able to do many more things. Yeah. Uh, is there a movement or how do we try and bring in some more teachers? I know we have a teacher shortage right now going on statewide. The State Department of Education, Board of Education's uh, Department of Education itself, trying to find ways to bring and import new teachers, also find more new curriculums to try and get more students into the education side. But uh, is that a focal point that we need to worry about as well? Absolutely. I believe in uh, offering signing bonuses to people tied to achievement. Mm -hmm. So as long as they get achievement and continue to getting achievement, then they get paid their bonus and they stay at that bonus level. So we need to look at compensation for teachers and what really correlates to student achievement and, and pay those things because what you incentivize is what is going to improve. What it's all about. Brent Davis, candidate for USD 259 at-large school board, coming up for the election in just a couple of days. Good luck on the campaign trail, my friend. Thank you so much. I know so it's much. been a hard, uh, a hard one. I do not envy you guys walking that 100-plus degree temperatures for the last few weeks. So the fact that you're out there knocking on doors, talking to people, I'll give you guys all the credit in the world. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me on, Andy, at KQAM. KQAM, there it is. We appreciate it. We'll get you back on here as we get into the general election moving forward into November as well. All right, we'll take a break. We got another segment for some phone calls. Gary Bond coming on for the City Council here in just a few minutes to wrap up the show as well for the last half hour. Until then, it's Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Five minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to jump on on the Maxwell Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, got a few minutes for you here. Thanks again to Brent Davis. I tell you, the education issue, such a major one. It's going to be an important race for sure as we try and focus on the youth of America and the youth of the city of Wichita moving forward. We're getting better, obviously, with some of the big wins that we had in the last election with some of the school board candidates that have jumped on trying to change things around, a new superintendent coming in as well. Sorry, Alicia Thompson, you are out. And I know you're retiring. Thanks for the service, but looking forward to a little bit of a change on that front. Some of the conservatives that did uh, get on the school board is necessary. And right now we're tied. And if we get Brent on there, that would be a major victory as well to start shifting things in a very positive direction in those races. Lines are lit up across the board. Holy cow, let's go right back to them here, shall we? 316-721-8255, line at number one. Good morning, who's this? Fight that power, Andy. Fight the power. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? Well, i tell you what, Andy. I went to, uh, I had to go to my lawyer. Okay. And walked in the office, and he said, well, he said, I got, uh, I got some bad news, and I got some good news. Okay. The bad, news, the bad news is the police found your blood all over the crime scene. Okay. I said, oh, no. 
what's the good news? Well, the good news is your bad cholesterol is down to 110. Mm. <laughs> well done. Well done. There you go. All right, Sean, well, have you cast your ballot already? Are you doing it uh, early voting, or are you going out there on Tuesday? Uh, well, is the county's open Monday, right? Uh, yes, the county is open on Monday. Well, I keep forgetting to fill out my ballot, so I'll I'll fill it out uh, here momentarily. All right. And then um, I'll either take it to the old courthouse Monday morning or I'll take it nearby to uh, my assigned voting station on the, on the 1st. Very good. Very so, good. All right. But, well, uh, hopefully the program's been able to be helpful for uh, which candidate you're going to vote for. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to go ahead and vote for uh, Brent Davis. Wasn't that the guy you just had on? Yep. Yep. For the school board, yes. Yeah, Dalton Glasscock. Of course, I know he's a Republican mm-hmm. because he, uh, uh, flyer I got in the mail said so. Sure. So, Mayor. What is, is Lily Wu a Democrat or a Republican? Lily Wu uh, says that she is a conservative libertarian. Huh. Well, you know, it's going to be a tough decision between her and Brian Fry. If I vote for Lily Wu, it's only because it's time Wichita had a cute mayor. That'd be the only reason. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if that's if that's how you decide your mayoral candidates, then, uh, you know, all the power to you. No, I, I think, and I said this earlier in the program, I think that it's going to come down to uh, Brian Fry, Lily Wu, and uh, Brandon Whipple, and which of those three are going to get into the final two in the general election. I, I I have my opinions. Now, here's the thing, and I have to full, to full disclaimer here. I do not live within city limits, so I will not be voting for this mayor's race because they're not on my ballots here for the local race. So um, I will not be. But, uh, yeah, for those of you, for everybody here, obviously, that lives in the Wichita City area, this is going to be a very big vote and a very big decision for a lot of people to make. Yeah, it sure is, and I'll tell you what, for the next half hour, as you uh, labor to uh, produce, I'll be enjoying a nice cold adult beverage. Mm, well, you enjoy, is it, please tell me it's not Bud Light. Uh, oh, hell no. <laughs> there it is, there it is. Well, enjoy that uh, adult beverage, my friend. I am here for your entertainment pleasure, my friend. So we'll keep uh, being that dancing monkey here on the radio, and we'll enjoy that very much. Sean, I appreciate that. Enjoy the weekend, and yeah, get that vote uh, cast on Monday or Tuesday when you drop those off at the precinct. Got to take a break. Bottom of the hour. When we come back right around the corner, we'll wrap up the full half hour here with Gary Bond, candidate for Wichita City Council District Number 5. Another one doesn't have a primary on August 1st on Tuesday, but does have a major one coming up in November. We'll talk about some more City Council issues and more, plus your phone calls right here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Call the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. On Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Also, our friends out in Garden City, KIUL, 1240 on the AM dial there. And thanks for hanging out. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines on the home stretch, man. 
We've flown through this show today. Holy cow, with so many great guests we've had on, so many candidates at August 1st, the election day. Did I did I tell you so far? Get out the vote. Did I tell you that already today? I don't remember if I have or not. So if I haven't, get out and vote on August 1st or on the early as well on Monday as well. Let's continue it on here, shall we, as we go back to some citywide issues. Let's get to know the candidate. It's time to get to know the candidate. As we have our next one in studio here, candidate for district number five. And for those who don't know, that is Brian Fry's district, who now is running for mayor. This is a vacant seat that's going to be open. And this will not be a primary in August 1st, but getting ready for the general election in November, as there are three candidates on the board, and one of them in studio with us right now, the man himself, Mr. Gary Bond. Gary, what's going on, brother? Uh, good morning. Good to see you again. Yeah, how's the campaign going? Oh, it's going good. You know, I... Uh, you started I early I this don't year. Have, oh, yeah, I... Uh, I filed last November, yeah. and the reason I did is because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to serve District 5 on the Wichita City Council, so I've been at this for a little while. Yeah, even without a primary in August, I mean, you started really knocking on doors, talking to people, getting involved. I mean, you've always been involved, but actually like actively campaigning back in like March, so you've been all over the place. Yeah, I, I try to see as many people as I can, knock doors. That's the way you learn what people are interested in. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, while you're knocking on doors, I've been asking this to every candidate, but mm-hmm. what has been some of the focal points, the primary topical issues that people have been interested in when you go and talk to them on the street? Mm-hmm. Well, the big issue, and you've heard this from a lot of the candidates, is the the police situation, safety, mm-hmm. sure. public safety. Uh, my, my dad was a policeman for 30 years here in Wichita, and my brother was on the sh- sheriff's department okay. 17 years. So I have a passion for that uh, that uh, public safety area. Yeah. And that's one of the big questions that comes up. Uh, believe it or not, the second question is, who do I like for mayor? It's a big question. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting one for sure. Uh, you you do have a close connection with law enforcement, obviously being part of the family uh, for a while, but uh, you work a lot with them around here, don't you? Well, I, I've, I've made some ride-alongs, you know, with the sheriff and with the uh, with the city, and I, I uh, went to the Wichita Police Academy so mm-hmm. I could learn more about the sheriff and the police department. Now that they've merged where they train out at WSU, it's real interesting to go there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is that, I mean, that's, everybody's kind of had their ideas, but right now it's a nationwide issue with a shortage of law enforcement mm-hmm. officers. Uh, we've had callers concerned about, you know, public safety and the relations between law enforcement and certain communities uh, around the city as well. How do we get recruitment up? How do we get faith back into law enforcement mm-hmm. for people to trust law enforcement? And how do we get recruitment up for people to actually want to become part of law enforcement? Because it's not a Wichita issue. It's a nationwide issue. But, I mean, we're usually good at setting trends around here as well. Well, it's a it's a, it's a a real sad thing when I talk to the policemen and uh, not all of them, but uh, some of them will say they are not encouraging their sons to be policemen now, which mm. is sad. It's it's part of the morale problem yeah. that we have on the police department. We need to uh, treat our policemen a little bit better with some respect and some of the, the things that they need to do their work. And one of them is, and we all talk about it, is the quantity that we need to have up. We have We have positions and budget for enough officers to cover the city, but we're short. Yeah. And... Uh, and we have about 30 or so, I think, going to come out of the academy pretty soon that's going to help us towards uh, that 100 that we're short. But we also have about 140 or so that are going to be eligible for retirement next year. That's going to hurt. And we need to uh, 
keep bringing in the recruits, but also we're going to have to do some ret- uh, try to retain some of those guys for a little bit longer before they retire. Yeah, that's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, your thoughts on the new police chief, Joe Sullivan? I know that he came mm-hmm. in with a lot of ideas, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. Do you think he's doing good for the force, and will that help, do you think, with the recruitment around here? Uh, so far, so good. I've, yeah. I've listened to him and, and talked to him about a lot of things, and uh, he sounds really good. He really likes it here, too, and he wants to push That's Wichita good. a lot better than Philadelphia. So he's <laughs> when he's out recruiting, he's telling people how great Wichita is as far as uh, the uh, the people that are here and being able to cross town in a, a yeah. decent time frame. And, and, uh, but I think he has some good ideas. But to implement all the ideas that he wants to do, we ask him – what do you need from us? What do you need uh, from us as the public? What yep. do you need from us as the city council? And from the public, he ne- mainly needs uh, us to support the police department. Sure. You know, uh, they're not the enemy. They are helpers in us making it through this life. Yeah. And we need them. And so uh, when, it, when it comes to the question of what can the uh, Wichita City Council do for you, uh, what's the number one issue that he that we ask him? And he says the quantity of police officers. He said, I can't implement the things that I think needs to be done in Wichita without the numbers. Right. And so it's very important. That is very true. Uh, you mentioned trying to help that relations by, you know, people trusting law enforcement again. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we get that started? Is it something we can bring back of resource officers in the school mm-hmm. or the D.A.R.E. program, having police officers go and talking about don't do drugs or getting mm-hmm. the law enforcement somehow more involved with the younger generation to make them feel more comfortable with law enforcement as opposed to growing up and then being fearful of them. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. As SRO, which is your uh, school resource officers. Yeah. <clears throat> Currently, we have uh, one in each. We have some in each of the high schools. We do not have any in the middle schools, and we do not have any in the elementary schools. Mm, um, we, I think we need to have an SRO commissioned officer at every school building in our city, yeah. which means more officers. Yeah. So it's not that's that's a, above and beyond what our shortage is now. So that's going to be a future thing. But I think that that's what we need. One of the reasons is when there's a when there's an SRO officer either in the elementary school or the middle schools, um, it's the relationship building they do with they have with the kids, not only trying to keep us safe, but the relationship building the kids. Yeah get to know that policeman is a human being. He's yeah. nice, and he's not here to hurt you. And I think that that will go a long ways to uh, having our youth feel more comfortable. Plus, the gang problems uh, are, believe it or not, in the middle schools is where they start. In the late elementary school, like fifth grade, I believe, that's where they start learning really? the gang problem things. I've had a, a police, uh, we, we had uh, SROs in the middle schools probably around 20 years ago, and uh, an officer from back then told me that the gang problem was getting better because we had those SRO officers in the element, in the middle schools, sure. and now we don't. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I completely support the student resource officers. I mean, ours at my high school in Colorado, middle school and high school, was our football coach, was one of our football coaches. And so he was involved with us in the extracurriculars along with mm-hmm. the school. And when we went through our school shooting, my senior year, he was the one right there mm-hmm. on the front line trying to stop and trying to actually keep us safe and doing what he could. So absolutely. Uh, I was not aware that the gang-related issue starts in middle school and late elementary and fifth grade. Mm-hmm. That That's mind-blowing that kids get involved in this stuff that early. Mm-hmm. That's I, wild. I 
think, and it's another issue, but I think that it has to do with uh, a lot with uh, uh, fatherless families, believe it or not, mm. you know, and I think that when you have a, a child that is in that grade level and he doesn't have something to reach out to yeah. uh, as far as a father figure, then uh, he starts, uh, the gang thing starts uh, catching on. Is there something that can be done at a citywide level on the family unit? And obviously mm-hmm. we can't regulate morality through government as mm-hmm. conservatives. There's no way to do that. But mm-hmm. is there promotions? Are there PSAs? Are there you know government uh, ways to try and encourage you know, the family unit to be strengthened a little bit, to get rid of mm-hmm. mental health issues, to get more involved in student activities, to get involved to try and stop gang or crime-related activities. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about the food deserts quite a bit, and it's a lot of it with crime at grocery stores. Mm-hmm. If we had more family units and that type of issue, we wouldn't have as much crime. I mean, mm-hmm. is that something the city can focus on to try and solve or at least try to address? That's a bit, That's a hard issue. That's a big issue. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, that uh, a lot of the uh, mental issues that we have in society now, uh, some of it's COVID related, but also family, if they can't, they don't have counseling and they don't have people to reach out to, to help them with their marriage, then yeah. we do have a problem. And right now we have a shortage in that area, the, the mental uh, uh, doctor yeah. uh, problem right now. Yeah. What I think, I, I mean, I think it might be the partnership between city government and those mm-hmm. private organizations, either the, the church and charity organizations, mm-hmm. the mental health services, that sort of stuff, to really try and boost them and give them the resources they need to get into communities. And that might be some of that solution. Yeah, I think that um, as we talked about uh, different issues, um, the, the, the faith people in the city need yeah. to step up with a lot of different things. You know, with the homeless, they need to step up. Yeah. As well as what we're talking about, the fatherless uh homes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of those. We have the food deserts. We have the homelessness mm-hmm. that's going on right now. Uh, as a, a city councilman, if you get on, this, you know, on the city council, what can we do to address these? Obviously, again, mm-hmm. not city-specific issues for Wichita, but nationwide issues, but something that we can work on in our local community. Well, the, <clears throat> the homeless issues, interesting. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And uh, I have uh, people I went to high school with, they'll call me out of the blue. Gary, do you know what's going on down here on these sidewalks? We're just in Wichita as growing up in Wichita, we're not used to seeing that. Yeah. We're not used to seeing tents on sidewalks and we don't live in San Francisco under, with a tent under, city, right? No tent <laughs> cities in Wichita, but, uh, and if it is, we haven't really seen them. Now they're getting to be everywhere around the city and it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Yeah. Um, the, um, the mental hospital that's going to be built shortly, that the state's going to run, is going to be built in this area. We do have the uh, the biotech uh, school that's going to be built uh, downtown Wichita, and that's going to be training uh, m- people to work in the mental hospital. And also ComCare is going to e- expand here pretty soon, and they're going to need workers. Sure. And I think it's a combination on the homeless part of it. And also, it's a jail problem. It's the having that mental hospital in place, the biotech where we're going to train the people to work in the mm-hmm. mental hospital in that in Comcare, and having Comcare expand, it's going to really help with uh, the issues that we have in the jail as well as homeless because a lot of them have that kind of problem. Sure, it's a really interesting one for sure. Real quickly, uh, as we kind of ran wind down here, let's talk about budgetary issues for just a second. Mm-hmm. As obviously we have. Inflation from the Bidenomics right now sitting at near 20% uh, over the past Mm -hmm. three years, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about city sales tax and property taxes and just government spending at the local level here. Mm -hmm. 
in your opinion, are there things that we can trim? Are there things that we can kind of mainstream, consolidate, and be able to cut some of the budget? Uh, Dalton had mentioned the last hour mm -hmm. that right now we have a $12 million surplus, mm -hmm. but in the next few years, we're back in the red again. I don't know right. how that happens, but uh, what can we do to prevent that from happening? Well, I, I was listening to Dalton earlier, and I agree with what, a lot of what he said. And one of the things that uh, he said is that the city budgets that they're working on now is going to help, and they need to cut now so that when it gets to be 25 and 26, we will not have that such big problem. There were, in the media, it was $25 million shortfall in mm. 2025 and 26. And I think that's come down now uh, based on some of the budget things they're doing. But that's something that needs to be done. They need to look at it now. Or me and Dalton on the on the Sedgwick County, we're not on the council now to look at it. Right. But I think the current council needs to help trim with that yeah. uh, but so that we don't have that problem. Sure. Yeah. It's going to be a big one, I think. we got just about a minute or so here, Gary, but last uh, last thoughts. As you encourage people to go out and vote, as you're knocking mm -hmm. doors, uh, doing yeah. that last push for the last couple of days, uh, what would you like to leave the listeners with? Well, one one is to vote. It's, go vote. It's terrible that we don't have the quantity of voters that we do. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe 20% um, and maybe less in this election. Sure. Uh, in the November election, it'd be a little bit more. And in a presidential governor election, it's a little bit more. But in this election, it, you'd be surprised. I'll bet it's under 20 percent. Wow. But I hope it's not because these elections are, uh, you know, we always say this is the most important election of the, <laughs> your life. Right. And I think it is. And I think it, that every election is the most important election of your life. Yeah. We're, we're voting for a new mayor and city council to take us in a different direction. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunity there, and that means because there's going to be so, quote-unquote, few people voting in the off-season election, that means every vote counts, right? That's right. That's why, that's why we have to spread a big net out because we don't know who's going to vote. That's so right. we spread a big net out. We catch, hopefully, the people that we want to vote for us. That's yeah. right. It's going to be good. Gary Bond, candidate for District Number 5, Wichita City Council. Good luck on the campaign trail, my friend, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll for sure get you back in. You don't have the August primary, so we'll get you back in before the general election. Okay. So. I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not fearful of um, I'm not fearful of doing what my job. I'm, what I'm fearful of is, is doing the same thing that we've always done. Mm, yeah. Okay? I don't want to be that person. I'm not... I want somebody to, to change, change, and we it need change. Bit. It's kind of like what Dalton said, that we, it's time for us to, to act, and yeah. that's what we need to do. Change it up a little bit. Go in there and overturn the tables. That's what it's all about, right? There you go. That's right. Shake it up a bit. I love it. Appreciate it very much, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail. We'll do it again soon. Okay, thank there you, There it Andy. is, Gary Bond. We'll take a break. we got one more segment to wrap up the show today for Saturday. It's Candace Tucker right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. We'll take your phone calls when we come back. Stay here. Back into it, last few minutes here of the program. The weekend with Michael Brown coming up right around the corner here on KQAM and our friends out in Garden City on KIUL as well. Enjoy Michael Brown coming out of 630 KHOW in Denver, Colorado. Great radio station out there. He's the morning show host. He's been there for a while, and uh, uh, he didn't remember me. I chatted with him briefly about a couple months ago, 
And uh, But he used to fill in for Mike Rosen on 850 KOA when I interned out there. So got a few opportunities to chat with him and get to know him a little bit. And uh, he's a fun host. Definitely enjoy him coming up with the weekend in just a few minutes after the top of the hour. Got a few minutes here on this program, though, so let's jump right back to it with the phone line, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, what's going on, brother? How are you? Um, very well, very well. I had a question for you. What is what is more important, winning elections or sticking to our principles? Well, hopefully you can do both. Well, I hope so. I just find it a little ironic that uh, Sean is not running for an office, but uh, instead he's possibly voting for somebody who has, uh, uh, in the previous past, uh, come out as openly gay and and as a Christian, and I don't see how those two things uh, jive. And when we talk about traditional family and life and where that all intersects with liberty and everything, I, I, I'm getting a little confused. You know, our party is going through another struggle with, with and, and some different aspects. And so I'm just, I mean, I can do whatever it wants, really. But I'm kind of watching on the sidelines, like, what's more, winning elections or, or standing on a principle? Because if we're not going to stand on our principle just to win elections, then I think there's going to be consequences to that, unintended consequences, whether by a providential God who says that ain't cool or whatever, you know, humanistic consequences there are going to be with children uh, being confused, having dysphoria, and, and all this other stuff. There are people... Go ahead. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say I'll respond in this way in saying that I think that we're holding up our principles as limited government, uh, individualized individuals, standing for uh, to, for the individual to believe and do what they want to as... Uh, as uh, someone who believes in the right to life, liberty, and private property. And as, uh, you know, regardless of someone's lifestyle, uh, if that's their own personal lifestyle, as long as they're not imposing that lifestyle onto somebody else, then we are holding on to our conservative and libertarian values of to each their own. And you live my life, uh, you live your life, I live my life, and we do our own thing. And as long as you're promoting what your role is in government, which is limited government, less regulation, less taxes, less uh, more government transparency, and more individual private sector capitalism, then uh, I think we are holding up to our values, aren't we? Fair enough. I, I don't know. This is a conversation. I, I just, I, I get a little, it, it, it uh, concerns me, uh, but but I, I get that our culture is what it is, and, and I understand the big tent. Um, mentality, but um, like I said, we are teaching our uh, children uh, whatever you know the path, the policy trajectory is, and how we model to them what life is, what it is, and everything. And once we move, in my opinion, once we move out of the standards, the guidelines, uh, and the principles uh, of, of Christian Judeo, you know, one man, one woman, uh, life type of stuff. It don't matter how what your tax policy is. It doesn't matter what your crime policy is. I believe that there are consequences to that. And that's just my opinion. And as always, Andy, I, I thank you for letting me speak. And, and I ask a uh, blessed day. Hey, you as well, Nick. I appreciate it very much. And uh, it's 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 an interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I will go back to, you know, the Judeo-Christian values that we do have, which is, you know, we, we support the family values and we support the family unit. And the family unit is done at the family 
level. And as long as I think we could tie it nicely into as an example, since we talk a lot about it with the marijuana issue, is that uh, someone who wants to legalize marijuana and supports the legalization of marijuana uh, realized that because we legalize marijuana, not everybody's going to want to. And that way you just have the choice to use it or not use it. And we'd be opposed if someone forcing it down our throat, saying everybody must smoke marijuana as opposed to it's just legal there for you to take advantage of if you so desire. Uh, when it comes to those social issues, as conservatives and libertarians, that's the way we go about those issues. I understand and I have my family values and my family unit and definitely support the family unit myself. Uh, at the same time, there's a difference between someone that has a different lifestyle that chooses it on their own and then someone that forces it down our throat like we've seen for the LGBTQ Pride Months over the last couple months as well and forcing it with the brainwashing of our children. That's an entirely another issue, and I'm right there with you on that front as well. Interesting conversation, my friend. Get out and vote. Make sure to see August 1st. The big primaries right around the corner. Next week, we'll do our recaps on how those elections look. Until then, have a great weekend. This is Candace Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. <laughs>